Greetings fellow captains and welcome back to Rank Amateur. Today on Rank Amateur we are featuring the Tier 5 Tech Tree uh, British Heavy Cruiser HMS Hawkins. But before we get to that, let's go over World of Warships news. And there's been a bit of it, at least there's a lot of different articles that have appeared on the World of Warships news, and some of them are relevant and some of them aren't. Well, um, so there apparently is a new brawl with Tier 6 ships, um, lots of T-61s in there, but uh, it seems like a lot of fun because there's going to be uh, lots of uh, rewards and credits and all sorts of things like coal, and it appears to run until actually August 9th so yeah Monday August 9th and that is going to be uh, 2 a.m. Uh, Pacific time US Pacific time so uh, pretty short brawl but if you haven't uh, started working through that I suggest you do because the rewards seem pretty decent um, and then we have uh, another public test of uh, round two for the uh, Dutch or Dutch cruisers um, there's all sorts of uh, different things that are happening there. Although the test doesn't hasn't ended yet, it seems. Yeah, the test. Oh no, the test did end, but uh, they haven't they haven't uh, detailed what is going to happen in that update or like the the final version of that update. So I can't tell you what um, th what the actual final version of the update is going to look like. Um, and then another thing that they introduced uh, is the Tier 10 Premium Italian Heavy Cruiser, the Napoli. And this ship's a bit controversial because uh, the fact that it's a Tier 10 that's being sold for cash. You can outright buy this ship and just buy a Tier 10 and play it. It is $140, I believe, so it is a pretty expensive ship. It's basically double the price of a Tier 9 ship. Um, so that alone is probably a barrier for a lot of people who haven't played uh, up to Tier 10 anyways. But people are saying that, oh, the devs, they, they, they promised that they'd never uh, introduce a Tier 10 that you could just outright buy. They, they said that, they specifically promised. No, they actually didn't. They, they never really said that they were never going to sell Tier 10s. They started out by not selling Tier 10s. Uh, for that reason, and they experimented with the ARP Yamato, I think last year, it was already, it's, it seemed like just a few weeks ago, but it was, it was already like last year, um, which was essentially a, a Yamato you could buy for, I think it was $130, and basically it's just Yamato with an ARP camouflage and the legendary mod that you could just slap on the Yamato. You didn't have to like, you know, go through the pain of actually grinding that legendary mod out. Um, and they said that less than, was it less than 1,500 Yamatos or ARP Yamatos went to accounts that did not have a researchable Tier 8 ship uh, unlocked. And some people were saying, well, that doesn't matter if they have a researchable Tier 8 ship unlocked. Tier 8 is different than Tier 10. So why are they saying that? Well, I mean, if you don't even have a Tier 8 ship... Then that's a problem because you've never seen a tier 10 battle but if you have a tier 8 ship chances are you've seen a tier 10 battle more than once so i can see why the devs said that 
So they're saying that people have at least got to tier 8, which is similar to tier 10. It sees tier 10 battles, so it's not that much different. Uh, but I really I really don't see Napoli being such a big problem because the ship it's the ship itself is kind of um I don't know if it's really going to appeal to a whole lot of people just because of how expensive it is and it's not like a known ship like it's not like the Yamato like if the Yamato was a premium ship and they were selling it for money I can see why so many people would have an issue with that because it's a popular ship people are going to go out and spend all the money to get it well the Napoli is not really like that and I'm not trying to say that selling tier 10s is a good idea I mean I really don't see that much with a problem with it and that's because there's already so many people who don't know how to play their ships at tier 10 anyways i mean what's a few more people um and this is also the napoli is also available to grind out for like 250,000 coal i think it is something around there uh it's a very interesting ship it specializes at close range it doesn't have great accuracy on the main battery guns which are 254 millimeters i think I think that's what it is. It's like 250-something millimeters. Uh, it does not get sap. Um, it uh, has incredible secondaries, though. The secondaries are sap secondaries, and they are the most accurate secondaries in the game, albeit they can only get out to 9.2-kilometer range because there's not really many secondary... or there's not any secondary skills for a cruiser, and the upgrades don't do that much for you. But they... When, once something gets in, especially a destroyer, gets in that range, the secondaries will absolutely rip them to shreds. So it rewards close-in play, and I... I almost... I almost want to say it's good that they're, they've introduced this ship for like for people to buy it because then you don't get those people who are sitting at the back of the map sniping and do, do, doing really well now there are going to people be people sitting in the back of the map with a napoli just sniping and doing absolutely nothing but at least it doesn't reward that like the thunderer and the conqueror and things like that do where you just sit in the back of the map and you spam he and ap and you magically get 170,000 damage a game so i i think that's a good thing that they've introduced this ship uh, it seems like an interesting ship, but it's it's just too expensive for me to outright buy. So I might grind out the coal. I might not because they're going to be introducing another tier ten, uh, HMS Gibraltar, which is basically just a Goliath that only fires AP and fires a bit faster and has four extra guns, more or less. Um, I think that looks pretty interesting because I'm already grinding up to the Goliath, and yes, I am grinding up the British heavy cruisers. That is my next line. Uh, I'm already already at tier seven so far, so I uh, expect to see a lot of episodes of the uh, British Heavy Cruisers coming up. But I do have a Montana episode that we have to do as well because I got that as well. And more news is that they've introduced the USS Congress, which is just a um, it's, it's a tier eight Alaska with two less guns or three less guns or no no one less gun or two less guns something like that and just um, diff different accuracy and speed and things like that. So it it has lighter armor than an Alaska, but it sounds like it's a bit faster, and I believe it has radar. I don't think it has torpedoes. It, essentially, Wargaming is saying it was a pre preliminary design for uh, the Alaska class that was never built because the Alaska class was built instead. So I think this will be a popular ship because the Alaska was a popular ship. And... Um, Seems interesting. Now, I have yet to see this thing in battle, and I've yet to see a review on it, so I don't know if it's grossly overpowered or complete garbage. Uh, so I'll have to have to look that up and expect to see a statement on that next episode. Um, and then there's also 
a deal for Visa card users where you can get a special bundle with a Visa card. Obviously, it's 2,500 doubloons with a 15% bonus, so an extra 375 doubloons and 250 summer tokens. And this is only available in the USA and Canada. And it, like I said, you have to have a Visa card to even view the offer. So I can't actually say how much it costs. I'm thinking maybe around $5 or so. And then they also have a summer sale, uh, which they have... Uh, essentially, when you buy doubloons now, you'll get extra things called summer tokens. So if you buy 50,000 doubloons for, like, basically around 250 bucks, 220 bucks, depending on your currency... Um, if you're talking about Canadian dollars or American dollars or whatever, but, um, it's 50,000 doubloons, you can get 5,000 of these summer tokens, and then with those 5,000 summer tokens, you can use them to purchase these containers, which are only a bit of a ripoff, because you can get different, uh, camouflage, permanent camouflages or signals, and if you spend 750 doubloons, you're likely only to get 14 of these special signals, or 14 camouflages, or a permanent camouflage. Um... And then you can also get a, you can buy a super container now. You can buy a Journey to the West um, container, Black Friday 2020, a premium shipped um, uh, tier seven container, a Halloween 2018 container, premium shipped tier nine container for 900 of these um, uh, summer, yeah, 900 of these summer tokens or whatever. So it seems interesting, although I don't want to spend that much money uh, on. Yeah, I don't want to spend that much money on a container that may or may not give me a ship that I want. I think it's just better to outright buy the ship, but, you know, if you're into just gambling, you just want a ship, you don't really care what it is, that's fine. Also, the Congress uh, sells for 11,300 doubloons, which is pretty typical. And uh, that is it for World of Warships news right now. There's not much happening. I believe update 10.7 is going to go live in, like, the next... A week or two, I think, is the plan. Um, so next episode, there'll be some news on that. But we're going to have a short break, maybe. I don't know if I figured out the sponsors. Uh, by the time this episode goes live, the sponsors will not be on there. But maybe if you're following it, uh, listening to it at a later date, it might. But anyways, we'll be back in a sec. Welcome back to Rank Amateur, and we're about to get going on the history of HMS Hawkins, pendant number D86. So without further ado, let's get into the general specifications of HMS Hawkins. So she was named after Admiral Sir John Hawkins, and he was an English privateer and naval commander uh, in the 16th century. Um, she was ordered in December 1915, and she was built at His Majesty's Dockyard, the Chatham Dockyard. Um, she was laid down on June 3rd, 1916, launched on October 1st, 1917, and commissioned on the 23rd of July, 1919. And, um, she displaced, or she was the leadership of her class, and she displaced 9,800 long tons, um, standard and 12,110 long tons deep load. So she had a length of 605 feet, 1.5 inches, or uh, 184.4 meters overall. She had a beam of 65 feet, nine, or 19.8 meters. Uh, she had a draft of 19 feet, 3 inches in the deep load configuration. Uh, she had an installed power that consisted of 12 Yarrow boilers that produced 60,000 shaft horsepower. Uh, she had four shafts and four geared steam turbines. She had a speed of 30 knots and a maximum range of 5,640 nautical miles at 10 knots. 
Uh, she had a complement of 712 crew members. Uh, she was armed with seven single 7.5-inch or 191-millimeter guns, uh, six single 3-inch or 76-millimeter low-angle guns, uh, four single 3-inch uh, AA guns or 76 millimeters, uh, two single 2-pound or 1.6-inch uh, or 40-millimeter AA guns, and six 21-inch 533-millimeter torpedo tubes. However, this changed uh, as of May 1942. Uh, she only had eight Yarrow boilers, which produced 55,000 Jaft horsepower. She had a maximum speed of only 29.5 knots. She had a range of 6,768 uh, 6, nautical miles and 10 knots. And she was upgraded to feature radar. She had one Type 281 early warning radar, uh, one Type 273 surface search radar, and two Type 285 fire control radars for more accurate guns. Uh, she retained the five single 191mm guns. She had four single 102mm uh, AA guns added, uh, two quadruple two single two-pounder AA guns, and then seven 20mm Orlikans. So, as you can see, this ship was heavily modernized uh, when, or when World War II uh, was underway because she was a... Uh, World War I ship, or designed during World War I. And they were designed to hunt down commerce raiders, and uh, the British Admiralty in er, before World War I thought that their new sweet battle cruisers would be enough to counter the uh, German commerce raiding threat, and they found out that it was enough, but just barely enough. If the Germans were to reinvest in uh, commerce raiding cruisers again, there was a possibility that they could build a cruiser that was large enough to counter some of their battle cruisers poor armor. So they realized that they had a very big cruiser problem and that they did not have enough of them to support the sides of their navy. And so the, uh, the large cruisers of the Hawkins class are large cruisers air quoted because they're not really that much of a heavy cruiser. They only have 190 millimeter guns versus those 203s that the Americans carried. Um, but these large cruisers were penned on design paper in around 1914. But the design was uh, it was delayed for a little bit. The Admiralty had more pressing concerns, notably that their battle cruisers were kind of blowing up at the Battle of Jutland. And in 1915, design was resumed, and design was completed around then. But since the enemy threat of commerce raiding cruisers was never uh, never really materialized, they uh, most of the class was completed post-war because their construction was not really uh, urgent. And they were widely considered to have an underarmed appearance and have ineffective torpedo armament due to the fact that only five of their guns were actually centerline mounted, which means that only six guns could be brought to bear on any one target. One gun, which was mounted, or two guns were mounted on either side at the waist, which means one of them would never be able to fire at a target. Um, so that was considered to be kind of an annoying part of their design, and the fact that they only had two trainable torpedo tubes, uh, the other two, or no, four trainable torpedo tubes, two, uh, double launchers on either side, the other two were submerged and fixed and could not be trained on a target. Um, the submerged and fixed torpedo tubes were generally quite ineffective, they couldn't be trained on anything, and it was very hard to maneuver a ship to aim those torpedoes. It was easier just to swing a torpedo tube off the side, fire its uh, contents, and then reload the torpedoes. So they were considered to be not a super successful class due to the fact that they 
had limited armor, but the armor that they did have was reasonably effective. Uh, just like in World of Warships, they had a armor belt that extended pretty much the whole way along the waterline. The, yes, they did have an icebreaker bow. Uh, that is something that I believe no other Tier 5 cruiser has, but um, the other parts of their armor were relatively weakly protected, and the Hawkins were kind of slow. So, it, it overall, the design kind of had a purpose in World War One, but it really didn't do so well in World War II for anything other than escort missions. Their design was more of that of a scout cruiser or a heavy scout cruiser and something to take down commerce raiders, but by the time World War II rolled around, all the commerce raiders were usually faster than the Hawkins. Especially with a 29 and a half knot top speed, only the, it could only catch the Graf Spey, and the Graf Spey was more than capable of dealing with a Hawkins-class cruiser. These ships are actually remarkably similar to the Omaha-class cruisers in the fact that they are generally not a super successful design because they can't really counter any armed opponent besides a destroyer or maybe a very, very light cruiser. Uh, any other heavy cruisers or battleships would easily be able to dispatch them um, with little damage taken in return, or at least theoretically. And as such, since they were scout cruisers and could only really deal with colonial duties and pirate raid, uh, anti-piracy operations, they frequently found themselves stationed in... Uh, the Far East, and Hawkins was no exception. She spent eight years serving in the China Station from 1920 to 1928 before she had to undergo uh, a refit, which uh, removed her four coal-fired boilers and saw her eight remaining oil-fired boilers modified to uh, ensure that there was not much of a power loss. She only lost about 5,000 shaft horsepower. Uh, this is the modification that reduced her speed to 29 and a half knots. The ship was also fitted with more rangefinders, uh, notably new fire control rangefinders for the main battery guns and a new anti-aircraft uh, high-angle uh, control system rangefinder, a Mark I model that was used to control her anti-aircraft armament. Hawkins was recommissioned on the last day of 1929 to become the flagship of, of the 2nd Cruiser Squadron in the Atlantic Fleet until she was reduced to reserve on May of 19, or the 5th of May 1930. Uh, she was recommissioned again in 1932 and became the flagship of the 4th Cru Cruiser Squadron again in the East Indies Station, but again was reduced to reserve in April of 1935. And the terms of the London Naval Treaty meant that Hawkins had to be demilitarized from 1937 to 1938 and had all her 7.5-inch 190mm guns removed and all the above-water torpedo tubes removed. And then she, in September of 1938, she became a cadet training ship. You can imagine what happened to HMS Hawkins when the Second World War broke out in September 1939. Uh, all those guns and torpedo tubes were immediately reinstalled, so so much for the London Naval Treaty. Uh, she was recommissioned as a heavy cruiser in January of 1940 and assigned to the South American Division of the North... Uh, of the North America and West Indies Station of the British Royal Navy, and she patrolled the South American coast looking for commerce raiders. Uh, in January of 1941, Hawkins began escorting convoys off the West African coast then, um, and she rescued nine survivors from the British oil, or British oil tanker British Premier on the 3rd of January, which had been tor torpedoed off Freetown, South Africa, or no, Sierra Leone, rather, um, by the German submarine U-65. In the following month, she escorted the aircraft carrier a formidable as she sailed up the East African coast bound for the Suez Canal. And route the carrier's aircraft bombed the port of uh, 
should do in Italian Somaliland on the 2nd of February. And after that, she was transferred to Force T, which was uh, assigned with the invasion of Italian Somaliland. And uh, her role in this was to provide gun and fire support with the three other cruisers uh, to damage the or to provide cover for the landings. Uh, in addition to this, there was also carrier from the aircraft carrier HMS Hermes, a uh, tier 4 uh, British carrier for the U World of Warships players. Um, which bombed the port as well. And then during this, um, or during this charade, uh, Hawkins managed to capture five Italian merchant ships grossing to 28,055 uh, gross register tons that had, stemped, uh, that had attempted excuse me, to escape from Kisameo, um, which, which, which is a port in the Italian Somaliland region. And then 10 days later, the cruiser briefly joined uh, escorts of the WS-5BX uh, convoy, um, but then she was detached in, on the 22nd of February to search for the Admiral uh, Scheer, which was a Deutschland-class heavy cruiser, same as the Admiral Graf Spee. Um, and this allegedly had been spotted by British aircraft, but proved to be nothing more than a wild goose chase. Uh, the Admiral Scheer was never found by the British forces. From February to December of 1941, Hawkins remained in the Indian Ocean, uh, escorting convoys and doing boring cruiser duties. She saw no action at that time, and then she returned to the UK to begin a refit at uh, the dockyard at Devonport on the 4th of December. Uh, this was to augment, or greatly augment, her... Uh, anti-aircraft capabilities with the addition of two quadruple two-pounder mounts and the exchange of two-pounder single mounts for uh, seven single 20-millimeter Orlikins. Uh, in addition to this, she received a Type 281 early warning radar, a Type 273 surface search radar, and a pair of 285 anti-aircraft uh, gunnery radars, and these are fitted on the roofs of uh, the newly installed 4-inch gun, uh, gun directors. And that's those are those radars I spoke of earlier. Um, and the repairs were completed by May 1942, where she could return to the Indian Ocean and serve in the Far East Fleet. And she basically just escorted ships and things like that for the next two years. However, uh, in one of these escort missions, the, there was a troop ship named SS Kandive uh, Ismail, which was torpedoed by the Japanese submarine I-27 on the 12th of February 1944. Unfortunately, there was a heavy loss of Allied life as a result of this sinking. And then later that year, Hawkins returned uh, to participate in the Normandy landings in, in June as a part of the 1st Cruiser Squadron of the Home Fleet. And she was de detached to the Western Task Force Gunfire Support Bombardment First Force U to support uh, American troop landing at Utah Beach. And on the 6th of June, she bombarded coastal artillery positions at Grand Camp Maisie and San Marlon de Varville uh, with some effect. And the following uh, month, she was paid off and sent to Rosinth, Scotland, for some repairs and be converted into a training ship. Navy took advantage of the dockyard time and upgraded her anti-aircraft armament and exchanged her quadruple two-pounder mounts uh, for octuple mounts and adding a pair of Orlikan AA guns from the 8th to the 23rd of August. And uh, sorry, it is uh, thunderstorming at my house, so you probably hear some thunder in the background. There's just a larger lightning strike not too far away. Anyways... Uh, continuing with the history of the Hawkins. However, the conversion uh, was cancelled in May 1945 as the war was pretty much a foregone conclusion at that point, or actually had ended, uh, in Europe. 
and it was only a matter of time before the Japanese Empire crumbled. So Hawkins was reduced to reserve as she was outdated. And in 1947, she was used for target trials to test the effectiveness of a 500-pound and 1,000-pound bombs. It was bombed by the Royal Air Force Avro Lincoln bombers uh, from an altitude of 18,000 feet off of Spithead in May. And a total of 660 bombs were dropped over 27 days, but only 29 of them actually struck the cruiser, and of which 13 failed to detonate. So definitely some valuable intel that the Royal Air Force gained from this. Hawkins was transferred to the British Iron and Steel Corporation on the 26th of August 1947 and broken up in December that year at Arnott Young Scrapyard in Dalmore, Scotland. And that is the end of HMS Hawkins. Uh, I would say kind of far from a glorious career, but she did take nine or no five Italian ships prize. Um, so I guess that's cool. And she participated in the D-Day landings. But I will catch you in the third or the third third of the episode uh, in order to discuss the World of Warships portion of HMS Hawkins' life. Alright, greetings fellow captains, welcome back to Rank Amateur for the third section of this episode. Uh, we'll be going over HMS Hawkins in World of Warships, and I do apologize, it is raining outside my house quite hard right now, so if you do hear that in the background, uh, yes, there, there is a bit of a monsoon going on right now. Anyways, so HMS Hawkins. Interesting ship, actually quite a good ship in World of Warships. I would say it is probably one of the best Tier 5 cruisers, um, and this it shares this title with, at least in my opinion, uh, HMS Exeter and the IJN Furutaka. These are both very solid cruisers. Um, they are heavy-ish cruisers. Uh, they don't have the best armor, but it is fairly reliable armor. The fact that you don't get random citadels, like, if you if you play the ship improperly, give broadside, give too much angle, or, or don't angle enough, it will punish you. You will get citadeled, but it's more predictable. Versus the Omaha, the Emerald, and things that can get citadeled from literally any angle for any reason. And it seems every sh uh, thing that hits the ship is a citadel. Now, the ship citadel is quite high, and the armor is not that great. Um, I don't have World of Warships open on my computer now, because I don't want my computer fans to go insane, but uh, I think the only really great thing about the armor is that it has a 38mm icebreaker bow, but this is kind of ruined by the fact that half the bow is a 13mm plating. Um, and a little bit of thunder there, sorry. Um, a 13mm plating, which can get overmatched by 152mm guns. So that's uh, a little interesting, but the Citadel is actually kind of hard to reach from that angle. At longer ranges it can be, but it's unlikely that a 152mm round will be able to get in there. Uh, battleships will have no problem getting in there if they aim correctly, but if they just aim straight at the bow, there is a chance that you could just ricochet it straight off that uh, icebreaker bow. Don't count on it, but it is there if you need it. Um, and angled, the ship is actually quite tanky. It does have the, I believe, the best heal at tier 5, or I don't know if this is identical to the Emerald, but you get a base number of charges of three charges of the heal. Um, you can choose defensive AA, actually, if you really just hate aircraft carriers and you want to waste some of your consumables. You can, it's the only tier 5 cruiser, I believe, that can spec defensive AA. 
Um, and you can also spec Hydra, which I recommend. Uh, so it's it's a bit interesting. Armor, not great, but it is certainly not the worst. If angled, it is actually quite tanky, just like the Exeter and uh, just like the Furutaka. Although the Exeter is a bit less tanky than the Hawkins. The, the reason why the Exeter is good is because it has an amazing heal and better guns. Um, so the Hawkins, as far as base specs, no commander skills nor modules have been applied, has a base firing range of 12.65 kilometers. Actually, let me upgrade this to fully upgraded. Okay, so fully upgraded, but no modules nor commander skills have been applied. This is fully researched, though. Has a 13.92 kilometer um, base firing range. Uh, reload time at 11.7 seconds, which is a bit long, but the guns are reasonably effective, so it, it seems balanced. Uh, it has a 180 degree first time of a pretty decent 18 seconds. Uh, that's something that's good with the British Royal Navy Heavy Cruisers, at least up to Tier 7. I can't say anything about Tier 8 to Tier 10 yet. Um, they have quite good turret traverse. Uh, as far as accuracy is concerned, it's not bad. It just, I guess, I found myself getting a lot of wonky salvos. And I checked the dispersion because I expected it to be absolutely terrible. And it's not really. I mean, it's 130 millimeter, or 130 meters, not 130 millimeters. That would be insane. Uh, with a sigma of 2.0, and that's horizontal dispersion, by the way. Maximum dispersion vertical is 78 meters, which I believe is a bit long. So maybe that's what's getting me. But um, you fire your guns at the target, and it just it seems to bracket it an awful lot. And not to mention, the shell flight time is a bit weird. And we'll get into that a little bit later. So the HE shell is pretty amazing for a Tier 5 cruiser. It is enhanced. Um... It has 190 millimeters of HE, or no, 190 millimeter HE 200 uh, FN shell. Uh, it's got a raw DPM of 109,487, maximum damage of 3,050. Yeah, so that's enhanced damage. So these HE shells do pack quite the punch, and with uh, usually the set, like a super saturated HE salvo will do about 500 damage a hit, but most hits will do around 1,000 damage. So yes, these HE shells do pack a punch. Um, they have initial shell velocity of 844 meters a second, a shell weight of 91 kilograms, um, and they have an HD penetration capacity of 32 millimeters. Yes, this thing will wreck pretty much everything that you come across. Uh, burn probability of 15%. Yes. It, you, this thing will burn the world, especially if you ripple fire it, because remember, ripple firing a gun, uh, because the, the, um, uh, what you call it, the, the fire starting, um, calculation is done by salvos and i found this out through experimentation with the buffalo or uss buffalo uh so if you fire individual salvos you or with like the whole broadside you will get very little fires even if you have a higher fire chance but if you fire in sequential order your accuracy won't be as good because it takes uh individual dispersion ellipse so the sigma really kind of takes a tank when you're um firing that way, but you'll get many more fires. I got 17 fires in 200 rounds, uh, or 200 hits, um, on a, firing at stationary Grossa Kerfers, and when a fire was started, I would move uh, to the next Grossa Kerfers in my Buffalo, uh, firing sequentially, but firing broadsides, I only got seven. So yeah, if you're going for alpha, it's definitely a good idea to go for um, uh, full salvos, but if you're going for fires, and alpha, like you should be with the uh, British Heavy Cruisers, you're really going to want to fire sequentially. Uh, and then the AP shell is a bit anemic, um, or at least it seems like it. Uh, the raw DPM is 145k, 
and maximum damage is 4,050, 844 meters second velocity, weight to 91 kilograms, ricochet angles are 45 to 60 degrees, uh, overmatches 13 millimeters of armor, and uh, it has a few arming threshold of 32 millimeters, so it tends to overpen a lot, and a fuse time of 0.33 seconds. Um, these firing arcs are really freaking strange. So some guns here have really good firing arcs. Um, like, the forward guns have pretty terrible firing arcs. The rearward guns have good firing arcs. Um, usually, the British ships have better firing arcs rear, uh, I find, but, but at least the HMS Hawkins has firing arcs that favor forward. But then again, most of your guns are in the rear and can fire uh, towards the rear better, so um, it does quite well kiting as well. Uh, torpedoes are kind of a joke. Uh, they do have a 7km range, which is quite good, I believe, for a Tier 5 cruiser. But um, they have a maximum damage of 15,733, uh, uh, reload time of 53 seconds, so yeah, these things do reload quite fast. Uh, they have a detectability range of 1.2 kilometers, which I believe stays the same until tier 10, or through tier 10. Um, and torpedo speed is 59 knots, uh, which is actually kind of decent. Uh, you have a 7.8 re second reaction time uh, if you're stationary uh, when these torpedoes are spotted. Um, and uh, they're kind of anemic because you only get two of them on each side. So you're not going to alpha anything. Um, uh, the firing arcs are actually quite good, um, because they're mounted on the stern, similar to the Grosh Bay, but, mm, their, their, their use is questionable besides just kind of throwing into a cap if you think something might be coming around the corner. Um, the secondary armament. It's a bit of a joke, um, because you have uh, four turrets of twin 102mm 45 caliber QF Mark... Oh boy, that's Roman numerals. <laughs> uh, Mark 39, it looks like. Um, uh, guns. Uh, maximum damage is 1500. Uh, initial velocity is 811 meters a second. You get a three, three second reload time, 1.0 sigma, maximum dispersion of 287 millimeters, or meters, not millimeters. Uh, 17 millimeter penetration capacity, 6% uh, burn probability, and you have a range of 4.5 kilometers. So, useless absolutely useless don't even bother with them they're not even there really for for most uh players uh the aa is vastly concentrated in medium range aa which it ranges out to 2.5 kilometers uh and the long range aa is not very great because uh there's a shell explosion every five seconds and like it does 1050 damage and i think it fires like one of them or does it even have... No, does it even have... Uh, it has two inner explosions and no outer explosions. So two explosions. Um, so it's not really worth doing defensive AA, I don't really think. I mean, if you really want to. It's got like 150, 170 DPS total. So it, it's, it's good. It will defend you against tier 4 carriers actually quite well. Um, but... It will not really do you much for tier 6 carriers, which is why I recommend running Hydro, because a lot of engagements at tier 5 happen at extremely close range. Um, she has 32,200 hit points. Uh, duration of fire is standard 30 seconds. Um, probability reduction is 16.6. DPS for fire is 97, so total damage per fire is 2,898. Um, concealment, or I forgot to go over floods. You can have... Uh, 
It's a 30% probability reduction, 10% uh, torpedo damage reduction, uh, 80 damage per or 80 DPS per flood. Total damage is 3,220. So yes, definitely hold your damage con. It's not going to do that much damage to you, especially since you have a heal, which can heal 100% of uh, fire and flooding damage. Um, you have a 12.2 kilometer detection range and 13.9 kilometer firing range. So yes, that is not much of a self-firing um, window there. Uh, and the detectability after firing main guns and smoke is 6.91 kilometers and when on fire is 14 kilometers. So when you're on fire, you will be detected before you can actually shoot at something, which is a bit annoying. And from air, it's 6.4 kilometers after firing guns and smoke is 3.8, and when on fire is 9.4 kilometers. Uh, yeah, that's that's the problem with the Hawkins, and we'll get more into that later. Maximum speed, 30 knots, just like real life. Full power forward takes 40 seconds, and full power backward takes 20 seconds. Uh, power ratio is 4.88 horsepower per ton. Yes, she does not have enhanced British acceleration. None of the British heavy cruisers do. Um, that's the cost for their heat or their specialized heel and their larger guns and their high explosive alpha. Uh, turning circle radius is 640 meters, which is pretty tight. A 9.1 second rudder shift time, which is a bit slow, but uh, I believe you can modify it. No, you cannot actually have a rudder mod because this is tier 5, I forget. So, yep, that is the tier 5 cruiser experience. Um, yeah, so the Hawkins, uh, as far as upgrades are concerned, main armaments, and then you're going to want to take uh, damage control or engine room protection, whichever one you want, and then you're, uh, you're going to want to take uh, aiming systems mod 1, because you don't really need turret traverse and your torpedo tubes kind of suck, so you're going to want to go with aiming systems, and then for a commander, uh, since most people are only going to have a 10-point commander at tier 5, we'll do the first 10 points. First, um, so you're gonna wanna have um, you're gonna wanna have gun feeder because you switch ammunition types a lot. Um, even though the armor piercing is a bit bad when it does connect, it because of the ricochet angles and it just seems it seems to ricochet more than other things. And uh, I'm used to U.S. Navy heavy cruisers, but even with uh, other ships that I play. Um, the, the British Heavy Cruiser's armor piercing just does not seem to do damage, but when uh, people show you broadside, uh, they do a lot, and since you have a shorter range, it's usually at your around your armor piercing's effective range. Uh, when those shells connect, it, they do hit quite hard, or they do they do their job quite well. Um, so definitely need gun feeder, and you're going to want priority target, and then you're going to want adrenaline rush, and then you're going to want concealment expert. And that's your first 10 points. Uh, that'll take your concealment down to 11 kilometers, um, your reload time can, if you go on to 1% health, if I can find a little slider, uh, yes, here. Down to 1% health, that'll get your reload time all the way down to 9 seconds. So yes, you'll have around a 10 second reload, uh, most of the time if you're on like 50% health or so. Yeah, 61% health will get you a 10.79 second reload time. So yes, um, it is quite an effective skill. Uh, then you're going to want superintendent. Uh, don't bother with heavy AP or heavy HE shells. I, those skills uh, ruin your stealth. Um, uh, and then you could go with top grade gunner. Um, although since none of these ships have radar, RPF is quite useful. It's the dumb radar skill. And then um, for for Hawkins, you could take survivability expert, and uh, it would help you out and get your hit points up to thirty four thousand. But it doesn't really matter for later in the line, so that's why I'm, I wouldn't take it. 
Um, you could take Eye in the Sky for the Surrey when you get up to that um, ship, if but that's obviously coming last after you get all these uh, skills down. Um, you're gonna you could take consumable enhancements, or and you can also take uh, increase the gears if you just really want your turrets to get around really really fast. Um, but the British heavy cruisers don't really need that much of a specialization in skills. Um, which is cool, at least, not the, the, not the whole line, but at least the Hawkins. Uh, doesn't need to rely on commander skills, which is cool because a lot of people don't have that many commander skills. Uh, something you're going to want to take is signal flags. This thing does eat up signal flags quite well, or it doesn't need them to work. Um, and I guess it doesn't need them to work, but it significantly helps its effectiveness. Um... Uh, so you're going to take Juliet Charlie, Victor Lima, India X-Ray, India Delta, Sierra Mike, November Foxtrot, and um, if you're going for an AA build, you can do November Echo Set to 7, or you can do Sierra Bravo. Um, and what that's going to do, in uh, respectively, it's going to reduce, or going to eliminate the chance of your uh, magazine detonating, and then one of them's going to boost your fire chance by 1%, and, and then another 1%, and then one's going to improve the effectiveness of your heal, one's going to improve your speed, one's going to improve the reload time of your consumables, one's going to improve your AA, and then the Sierra Bravo, the last one's going to improve the duration of your hydroacoustic search. But if you don't have many Sierra Bravos or November Echo set to 7s, I recommend you save those for other ships that could use it more, aka German battleships or American uh, ships in general. Uh, so yeah, that's it for the build on HMS Hawkins. Oh, and uh, one more thing about the stats. The Hawkins does have at maximum range of around 13, 13 kilometers. Uh, the, our, uh, the AP penetration is around 105, 104 uh, millimeters. When you get down to 5 kilometers, it has 244 millimeters penetration. Uh, no, actually, that's 4.7 kilometers. Here, 5 is 236 millimeters of penetration. And then at 2 kilometers... You're going to have, here, let me get it to 2.6 kilometers, or, so you're going to have around 320 millimeters of penetration, which is actually pretty good for a cruiser, it's just those ricochet angles that really seem, and overpens that really seem to hurt the armor-piercing penetration, and, or, not penetration, but performance of the armor-piercing shells. So, how would you play the Hawkins? Well, the Hawkins is actually quite easy to play. Now, it does have some tricky aspects of its playstyle. Um, and I will detail uh, those to you later, but it overall is pretty easy to play. And essentially what you're going to do is you're going to go out to one of the caps on the flanks, and you're going to go till you have an island to kind of turn around by, or until you get that detection circle to around halfway to three quarters of the way into the cap, usually airing more on the halfway side. And you're going to turn your ship around, and you're going to kite. And you're gonna kite. You're gonna throttle juke at like you're gonna go quarter speed, and then uh, turn out when ships uh, shoot at you. And then you're gonna go to full speed, and they'll they won't see you accelerating, so they'll dump their shells behind you. And you're just gonna play silly buggers with your throttle and your rudder, and you're just gonna be unpredictable. And you're gonna sling those high explosive shells that the Hawkins and the British heavy cruisers in general are well. Uh, less famous than they should be for they a lot of people underestimate the performance of the British heavy cruisers Which is what makes them a lot or a lot of their effectiveness is that no one really plays them and everyone underestimates them So they just leave them be you wouldn't believe um, I had a tier 9 battle in my story the other day I made out the battle 
on full health, and I stared down a Frederick the Great. I should not have been on full health. Well, actually, I was not on full health. I was in 24,000 out of 30,000 health. I took 6,000 damage, which is like one armor piercing penetration when I was like the only ship left. Um, and, and meanwhile, I did upwards of 80,000 damage in a tier 9 battle in a tier 7 cruiser with a range of 13.5 kilometers. Yes, it is possible. Uh, you most of the time tend to get ignored because people don't really care about you. And that's when you start to hurt them because those 6k high explosive salvos that are not uncommon on the Hawkins tend to start to hurt after a little while. And now, not every high explosive salvo will be 6k uh, like the Surrey or the Devonshire might have, but your 3k, 4k, 5k, 2k, th those damage numbers start to add up. It's easy to do a lot of damage in the uh, Hawkins when you're kiting like this. And you don't want to kite forever, though because of the short range of the ship. You'll easily get out of range, there's no way to extend that because you don't have range mod, and you also don't have a spotter plate. So what you're gonna do then is you're gonna turn you're gonna go undetected, you're gonna turn around, and you're gonna push into an island, then uh, turn back around to kite, or you're just gonna kinda push. But you have to be very careful because you don't wanna push in the Hawkins, you really don't wanna push ever into your base detection range. If you're in your base detection range and it's not a desperate, like, end of match, like, you're slugging it out, you're probably doing something wrong because if you get overwhelmed, there is no turning back for you because if you try to turn around, you will get destroyed. You will absolutely get demolished. Uh, versus if you are pushing in and you're outside of your base detection range, you uh, slow down, you stop firing, you wait to 20 seconds, drop detection, turn around. That is how you play the ship. You don't you push, but you don't want to get into that main battery detection range. This ship excels at medium range con uh, engagements and exchanging fire with other ships at such ranges, but at close range, it tends to fall apart a little bit. Because it's a cruiser, it doesn't have armor to joust with battleships, and because it's a cruiser that's slow and doesn't have good torpedo armament, it cannot compete with the other cruiser's torpedo armament. Um, even the Omaha at close range can uh, get tor uh, get more torpedoes in the water than the Hawkins can. So you really don't want to get in uh, close range engagements with this thing. And that being said, you don't want to be the person who's on the back border of the map not doing anything because you're not doing anything. Um, I think I averaged around 40,000 damage or 30,000 damage. No. No, 40,000 40, damage in the Hawkins just by using this tactic. It is incredibly easy to do and is incredibly effective. That is the way this ship excels. Some people I've seen make this ship work at close range. Some people I've seen um, kind of uh, using it as a pseudo-destroyer. It's a very risky way to play it. I would not recommend doing it because if something goes wrong, you're going to die. The, this ship rewards a thinking man style of gameplay. Um, rushing in and just going in guns a-blazing and firing your torpedoes, your meager torpedoes from both sides and getting killed instantly is not rewarded like by the ship like maybe a German battleship would reward it or something like that. It Mindlessly going close is usually not rewarded by any ship and especially not rewarded in the Hawkins. So you are not going to do that. You're going to be a thinking man. You're going to go and you are going to find an island and turn or use that as cover to turn around. You're not going to sit behind an island like a U.S. Navy cruiser. Um, if, if such an island exists, you're not going to sit behind it. What you're going to do is you're going to use it to sort of turn around and you're going to 
then you're going to kite out to maximum range and you're going to go behind the island to break line of sight to your enemies and then push in and then you're going to turn around and you're going to kite out again and you're going to push in behind this island and you're just going to repeat that until you've done so much damage that uh, you can that your enemies are low health and you can push in and finish them off that's uh, a good gameplay for the Hawkins if there's islands to use as sort of concealment from a distance. You're not going to just park behind them and fire um, like a uh, U.S. Navy heavy cruiser would do or a British light cruiser might do. Uh, what you're going to do if there's no islands is you're going to you're going to follow that thing where you're going to you're going to uh, go halfway into the cap circle with your detection range circle, not with your firing range circle, with your detection range circle, or until you get detected and you're going to turn around and you're just going to kite. And then you're going to, once you get out of range, you're going to push back in, and then you're going to kite. And you're going to push back in, and you're going to kite. And that's basically what you do. Your battleships are should take the damage for you. Obviously, it doesn't always happen, so sometimes you end up being a kind of a pseudo-battleship in the Hawkins with how survivable it is with its heal. But um, that's that's the Hawkins gameplay. And like I said, it's a, it's a quite forgiving uh, Tier 5 cruiser, one of the most forgiving Tier 5 cruisers, because if you take a bit of damage, your heal can really save you. Um... It'll heal back 3,000 point, hit points base, I think, and then if you add the 20% um, boost to that and then the duration boost with the um, uh, November Foxtrot and India Delta, uh, you're going to be able to heal back, I think, around 5,000 hit points of charge, and you can get four charges with the superintendent skill. So uh, it's, it's quite a fun ship to play. I actually, contrary to my Omaha... I had a quite fun time playing in this ship. I think I played like six or seven games in it. I think I have like I think like a sixty percent win rate or fifty four percent win rate or something like that. So yeah, it's it's not going to carry a game, although you can do it in certain circumstances. Um, it's not a battleship, not going to carry a game, but it is a fun ship nonetheless. And I hope you've enjoyed this review of HMS Hawkins, the Tier 5 Tech Tree British Heavy Cruiser. I had a lot of fun playing it. I, had a, um, I would recommend the line so far. I've had a lot of fun playing them. Even though they don't really seem good on paper, they are actually quite good um, in today's meta. Um, and that concludes my review of the Hawkins. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, feel free to contact me with any ship suggestions, questions, comments, concerns. Um, by reaching out to my email at rankamateurpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to drop a donation in my anchor page, or feel free to go buy some merch. And until next time, captains.